Pastor Corey here with Heights Church. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast. If you would like more information about Heights Church, simply go to weareheights.org or follow us on our Facebook page. If you're looking to get plugged into a church, feel free to reach out to us via our website by simply clicking contact, and we will help you find a similar church in your area. Hope the podcast serves you well, and thanks for tuning in. church. Excited to be here with you today. We're uh, part of our service, what we want to do, um, normally we would do a, a call to confession uh, during this time, and if you're a part of Heights, you kind of know what that means. And so uh, since we're doing stories in our missional communities, what we wanted to do was just kind of introduce uh, stories here in the gathering, something we used to do before COVID. Uh, fairly regularly, we would have folks come up and just kind of talk about what the Lord is doing in their uh, lives. And so as part of the, 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 part of the worship, what we want to do is is that. So I asked uh, John Myers, and John Myers reluctantly said, okay, I guess I'll do that. And so if you want to come up here with me, bro, John, John Myers is a great friend of mine, a uh, much better friend of, my, of mine in the last year. <laughs> uh, but uh, as a part of our missional community, him and Rachel got to officiate their uh, wedding. It's been incredible to get to watch them grow just over the, from January uh, to now in a way that's really exponential. So I just asked John, hey, would you come share three minutes or so uh, just with our church body? Uh, and he said, joyfully, absolutely, I cannot wait to go do that. So, good morning, church. Good morning, church family. Um, so, I wrote down everything that I wanted to say. I'm going to try not to look at my notes and just try to speak from the heart. Um, but if you don't hear anything else and if I mess everything up, I just want, want you guys to hear that you're never, ever too far gone uh, from the love of Jesus, right? The love of Jesus covers a multitude of sins. Um, so hear that, if I, if I pass out, if I mess everything else up, um, know that, and, and I'm a testament to that, so. <clears throat> okay, at, uh, at 17 years old, um, I made a profession of faith. Um, faith to me then uh, was very works-based. I believe that if I did good, I pleased God, and if I did bad, um, I upset God. Um, so after this profession of faith, what it really was for me was it was uh, <clears throat> It was I knew Jesus existed, but I didn't know who Jesus was. Um, and that, that's a reality for some of us in here. It was a reality for me up until the last nine months. Um, so like anything else, workspace, um, I lived in that workspace for, I guess, nine months after making that profession of faith. Um, and then that kind of, it burned out, right? Just like anything else does workspace, we can't do it. Like we see the Israelites do time and time again, right? They, they burn out. Um, and so I burned out and I fell. Um, and I fell hard, right? I fell into heavy drinking. I fell into recklessness. Um, and ultimately, I just fell into hiding from God, um, which is kind of where the enemy wants us, right? He wants us to hide from who God is. Um, <clears throat> so I spent 11 years in the wilderness hiding from God, hiding from who God was. Um, and as God started to reel me back into himself, um, I started to experience a bunch of health issues, um, Dizziness that, that couldn't be explained, uh, vertigo. Um, I experienced anxiety for the first time, um, depression. Uh, I also was being lied to and told that I was too far gone, right? That I was past the point of forgiveness. Um, and in that moment, um, if it wouldn't have been for my wife and if it wouldn't have been for Jesus, um, not really sure where I'd be. Um, let me catch my thoughts here. <clears throat> Um, 
So anyway, so I, I thought I was too far gone. I thought I was past the point of redemption. Um, I, I came to faith, I think, right at this point. Um, and this is what the Holy Spirit revealed to me, and this is, this is kind of what I learned. Um, when I didn't know Jesus, he already knew me before the womb he put me in. When I walked away, uh, Jesus stood in my place. When I stayed away, Jesus left the 99 to come find me. When all hope was lost and I was too far gone, Jesus reminded me, I became sin who knew no sin so you could become the righteousness of God. And so that, that's the God that we serve, church, and that's the God that I want people to know who he is. So, yep. Thanks. I'm gonna pray for you and Rach. Yeah, Rachel's face. <laughs> Surprise. Yeah. yeah. Love you guys. Let me pray for you. God, thanks so much for John Myers and for Rachel, uh, for Rachel being steadfast in the gospel and continue to woo him and lead him to you over and over and over again for the years. And, and for John, just his natural uh, charisma and character. And even in those 11 years, like we've talked about, he still will point people to you and still pray and still lead people to you, even in the midst of maybe running and hiding. Um, but that's not any different than what we've seen in this Old Testament series that we've been in, that you use people's natural wiring and character to bring redemption. And so their story is not any different than, than as John mentioned, in the Israelites. And so, God, we're thankful for them, thankful to, for John, for his salvation, for leading him to you. And God, pumped to see just what you do with him uh, as a leader and in that natural charisma and character that he does have, Lord. I pray that he would get to see a multitude uh, come to faith through both his and, and Rachel's story uh, in concert with you and your spirit. We pray this in God's name and all God's people said, amen and amen. Let's put our hands together, celebrate. Good morning, church. I'm gonna ruin all of your fun talking and catching up with one another. You can go ahead and take a seat. We got a ton of scripture to cover, so we're not gonna read like three chapters of scripture because I can't pronounce half the words and y'all don't want to listen to me read. So um, we are going to pray though. We're going to pray because as we hear that song today, it, that's not our inclination always. We're going to talk about that. It's not to turn to the Lord when we're anxious. It's not to cry out for help. It's to try to figure out things on our own. We're going to talk about that, but let's right now, let's, let's just go to him in prayer. So you pray where you're sitting. I'm going to pray for us. So God, we're living in such a, just a crazy time. Lord, every day we turn on the TV, there's something else going on that breaks our hearts, that makes us nervous, that makes us anxious. We go to work and it's tense because of COVID, mask, vaccines, whatever else may be going on, where we have unsure, just a whole unsureness about our lives as we go about our, just our daily routine. God, it is pressing in on every aspect of our lives. But Lord, you are faithful. You keep doing amazing things as we've heard today, just as you, really, John shared your story and just how he was a part of it. And so God, we pray now as we come in here that we block everything else out that's going on, that we turn off all the stuff that the world is trying to pour into our heads and we just hear from you. God, I pray for just a peace for everyone in the service, everyone watching online. God, you'll just comfort us and we'll just grow in our love for you through this. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.
So as we sang that song that Jeff wrote, like, and if you just listen to it, I mean, it's amazing. This idea of just crying out to God as, you know, as you're in a tough time and you're in a hard place and that's what we should do. But mankind's inclination is not to do that. Like we have always wanted since the beginning of time, if you read through scripture and even just look at our current days, what we do is we always want to make things quicker and easier and more convenient. That's just it. Like, that's what we do. And that's not always bad. Because of that, we've done pretty good at becoming up with in inventions and creations that's made life just simpler and better. I mean, you think about it. We have things from fire. Could you imagine if no one would have took the time to figure out fire? Like, we would, like, life would be pretty miserable if we didn't have fire. And the, the wheel, I mean, you would be carrying everything. You wouldn't have a, just a wheelbarrow in the simplest <laughs> means. I mean, think about that. Like, so this idea of convenience and quicker and fixing things that's good because it's led to fire and the wheel and modern medicine and even the internet. We couldn't do what we do now and all of our lives would be ruined if we didn't have the internet, right? And my kids wouldn't know what to do with their lives if they didn't have a tablet in front of them and YouTube. So thank God for the internet. People have looked for solutions to problems. That's what they've done all of history. They've found ways to make things better, to make things easier. But the reality is in all that, sin comes about, evil comes about in it. And all these fixes, these quick fixes, has always been a way to manipulate it for gain, for money, for whatever, for the, someone's power to be there. They wanted to be able to have that. And so I want us to look at this because what we see is when we look for these quick fixes and solutions to problems, that's always bled over into God's people. God's people have always wanted to look for a quick fix, for, a, for a, the way to get out of the problems they find themselves in. They don't want to just sit in that at times and understand why they're in it. Sometimes they're in it because of sin in their own lives. Sometimes you're just in a bad situation and dealing with things because you're going through suffering. That's just part of life. You're going through suffering. You're dealing with all the stuff that's going on in your life. And God has called us to suffer at times. We're a suffering people. That's in scripture. There's no way around that. But as God's people, sometimes we just want to get a quick fix. We want to get out of the suffering. And sometimes there's not a quick fix. But what we're going to see is Jesus himself tells us in Scripture, like, not to just look for the easy path. Because the easy path, where does it lead? It leads to destruction. It leads to um, the end, really, of you, everything you could imagine. And the other path, the path that leads to him, it's not the easy path to take. It's narrow, and few will go that way. So Israel, what they've done is they've taken the easy path. Instead of being obedient to God, they have demanded a king, as we saw last week. They're no longer like, oh, let's just be obedient to God, because that was too hard for them. But just to cry out and say to Samuel, like, give us a king now. Like, we want this king in our place, because that's going to fix all of our problems. Well, all of their problems were caused because of their sin, because God had already promised them everything they were experiencing, they would not have experienced if they would have just been obedient to God. They would not have been oppressed by other nations. They wouldn't have had the Ark of the Covenant stolen. They wouldn't have been beaten in battle. They would have had all the land that they could ever imagine, and it would have been great and glorious, really just like what Adam and Eve almost were promised. Not quite, because obviously the fall had taken place, but when you're obedient to God, you won't face all the hardships that come that sin brings about. Doesn't mean you're going to face any hardships again because we suffer and we go through trials that are regardless of your sin. But here, this is all because of Israel's sin. 
And so we're going to give a rundown of what happened. They wanted this king, and they're going to get it. It's a man named Saul. That's who they're going to get. So instead of reading to you, hopefully you read this week in, in 1 Samuel 9, 10, and 11. That was your reading for the week. If, I'm just going to give you a rundown of 9 and 10 and just really give you an understanding of who Saul is, how he became king, and, and see what we can cover with all of that. So here's what we've got. Um, his lineage is announced. If you look there in the very, very beginning of chapter 9, um, some of this will be on the screen, some of it won't, but if you have a Bible, obviously, I would ask that you try to stay with me as I go. It kicks off, verse 1, chapter 9, it says, there was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish. When that happened, just in a literary form, that was informing the readers of that time, we're segueing into a new part of this story, okay? We're done with what we were talking about. We're moving into a new segue because, like, they're saying there was a man. So they're going, okay, someone's getting ready to get announced. This man was Saul. So they give his lineage here. And really, there's not much to notice except for that there was a man of Benjamin. Now, that in itself should have been a sign to everyone. Like, this is interesting. Now, they're going to use a man from the tribe of Benjamin. Because let's go back to Judges when you remember the horrendous sermon I had to preach on the rape and murder of a woman who got chopped up into 12 pieces because the tribe of Benjamin was the men who raped her. Okay, that was a, that was a horrible sermon to preach. But the reality is, is that not much good was coming from the tribe of Benjamin at that time. They were known for corruption and, and not being hospitable and rape and incest and murder. Just go back and read Judges 19 and 20 and you'll see. So that in itself did not start off the story well. But then also that none of these people in Saul's lineage was really mentioned or have any importance. They're not of any one of any stature or, uh, of, or anything. They, they really had nothing going for them. And so that means Saul didn't have a whole lot going for him except for that he was a man of wealth and he was extremely good looking. The Bible hits on that several times. Like they really want to emphasize like his looks. It would be like John standing up here. I've always felt good about myself standing up here. Like, okay, I'm fit. And then John steps up here and he's like three times my size. He started working out in my garage, like, I don't know, maybe a year ago. And, like, I swear, like, the dude just made, like, massive gains. Like, he lifts one rep, and he's like, Poof. I'm like, dang, dude. Like, <laughs> made me feel bad about myself. But Saul, he's, that's it. He's, like, he's, he's bigger than John. So he's got that going for him. He's good looking. He's bigger than John, and that's who he is. The scripture really points that out. So Saul's dad, though, Kish, he's lost his donkeys. Silly story, it sounds like. He's lost his donkeys, and he's like, hey, Saul, get one of those servant dudes, and you're going to go find my donkeys. Now, I read in some different commentaries. Some commentaries just make it out that, that Saul is a big goof, and that all that he would be good for is to go find the donkeys. Like it said in the exact words was like, all Saul was good for was finding his daddy's donkeys. That's what the commentary said. I just laughed. I chuckled to myself. I was like, okay. And then another one said, like, it would have been very hard to find donkeys in the hills of Ephraim which is where the tribe of Benjamin was at, that it would just be hard to find these donkeys. So he's out looking for these donkeys with this servant, and they can't find them. Saul's getting frustrated. He's not, it's probably hot. I mean, they're walking around. You don't, you know, is that our donkey? No, that's not our donkey. Our donkey only had one ear. Like, I don't know. Like, they're looking for these donkeys, and they cannot find them. And so Saul's like, 
hey, my dad's probably getting anxious about us. He's going to think we're going to get lost. And so, like, we need to head back. Like, so scripture here, like, doesn't really allude, like, what his attitude really was. But in the commentaries, it's saying one of two things. Either he wanted to just get out of this and he's, like, done, or he truly wanted to honor his dad, which would be completely contrary to how we've seen other sons, like Samuel's sons, acting towards him. Okay, and, and so we see that, and we're like, all right, maybe he cares about his dad, and he wants to go back, or he's just lazy, and he doesn't want to keep looking for his dad's donkeys. I don't know. But his servant says, hey, no, let's seek out a man of the Lord. So why he knew that Samuel would be around, I don't know. Scripture doesn't say, but he's, he's, Saul's like, I don't, I don't know if I want to do that. I don't really want to mess with that, which should make us a little bit nervous that he doesn't want to seek out the Lord for help. Like, that's not good. That's not a good sign for a king that he doesn't want to seek out the Lord for help. And so they start to go find this man of God. We're in about midway now through chapter 9, around like 8 and 9. That's where we're to be. And so they come up and they find a woman coming out to draw water. How many times in the Bible is someone going to find some, a woman drawing water at a well? I mean, this is like, hey, you want to know something? You just go to the well, and some lady's going to tell you exactly what you need to do next. Is, it's going to go, like, that's it. Like, now just find the water cooler at work, and I guarantee you there's going to be someone there to tell you something. All right? So they find her, and she tells them where to go so that he could, they could find Samuel. So they, they find Samuel. Here's the interesting thing. The Lord had already came to Samuel and said, hey, this time tomorrow, there's going to be a man show up at this time, and he's going to, that's who you're going to anoint to be prince. doesn't say king. It's almost like God doesn't want to utter the words king. He's like, gosh, dang it, Israel. I'm going to give you a prince. I ain't giving you a king because this guy's a punk. So he, he does this. He, he goes and he, and he finds Samuel and they, and they start to talk and everything. And he tells him there, he's like, hey, your donkeys have already been found. Like, stop worrying about that. Um, and I'm like, there's a lot of little details you can, you, hopefully you've already read or you can go back. And so they decide to have a meal together. It is really pointing us to the feast that we'll have. And when Jesus returns, that's what this meal is. Like, it's an it's a offering of peace. So this meal here with, with Saul and Samuel, it's, it's kind of confirming everything that, hey, he's going to be the one to be king. And so after they do that, he tells him to, to stop. He's gonna, he's, he takes a flask of oil, says in chapter 10, verse 1, he pours it on his head and kissed him and said, has not the Lord anointed you to be prince over his people Israel? And you shall reign over the people of the Lord and you will save them from the hand of their surrounding enemies. And this shall be the sign to you that the Lord has anointed you to be prince over his heritage. And so then he tells him what to do next, okay? So he's now, he's, he is anointed king and no one knows it except for probably the servant Saul and Samuel that's it kind of like how when Jesus is born like he's born he's here he's king but outside of Mary and Joseph no one really knew until the wise men come they worship him the shepherds they come they worship him but they were told by angels what to do so you have this announcement anointing of a king really it points to Jesus guys it's what it's doing and so Saul goes and he goes off like he's supposed to and then the people are gathered together. Like Saul talks to his uncle and talks about the donkeys, doesn't mention anything about being king or anything. But now Samuel has called the people together. He's going to, he's going to give them Saul. He wants to show them who their new king is. But first, 
Something interesting happens when Samuel leaves. If you look at chapter 10, verse 9, it says, When he turned his back to leave Samuel, God gave him another heart. All these signs came to pass that day. When they came to Gibeah, behold, a group of prophets met him, and the Spirit of God rushed upon him, and he prophesied among them. So God has changed Saul's heart and giving him a new spirit, spirit of God. So this is big and it's to be noticed because not all that Saul's going to do is horrible. Like later on, you're going to see it's pretty messed up. But still, this is good that this is happening because this shows what happens when God does something in your life. He gives you a new heart. He gives you his spirit. And so that's happened. Now here they go. They've, they've gathered the people together. And what we see next is like Samuel's going to let Israel have it. He's not just going to say, here's your king. He's going to lay into them. It's like your kid's screwed up and you've had enough and you're like, fine, here, let me tell you exactly how this is going to go. And so this is what Samuel says to them in verses 17 through 19 of chapter 10. Now Samuel called the people together to the Lord of Mizpah. And he said to the people of Israel, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I brought you up Israel out of Egypt and I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all the kingdoms that were oppressing you. But today you have rejected your God who saves you from all your, in it, from all your calamities and your distress. And you have said to him, set a king over us. Now, therefore, present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and by your thousands. Guys, you got to sit in that for a moment, okay? He's saying all the good stuff that he's done for Israel. He's like, I saved you from being slaves from the Egyptians. Like, they were beating you with whips while you built their kingdoms, built their houses, making bricks, all that stuff. Like, they were not kind to you, and I took you out of there. I freed you from that. I took care of all the other kingdoms that were oppressing you. No one else did that for you but me, and now you've rejected me? Fine, gather your people together. Like, I would be a little bit afraid, like, oh my gosh, he's getting ready to give us a king. I don't know if I want that. Have you ever, like, offered your kids something and, like, it was kind of good, but they're like, I don't, I don't know, I'm good. I don't, I don't want that anymore. I don't, I don't want that. So they start drawing lots because that's how they do things. But in God's sovereignty, the lots fall to Saul. But where is Saul? Saul doesn't just stand up. Saul's hiding in the baggage. Everyone brought their bags, and Saul, the tall, beautiful man, just hiding away like he can't be seen. He is just right there hiding. It says in verse uh, 23, or 22, it says, Behold, he has hidden himself among the baggage. Then they ran and took him from there. And then when he stood among the people, he was taller than any of the people from his shoulders upward. And Samuel said to all the people, do you see him who the Lord has chosen? There is none like him among all the people. So when you go back and you like really translate that, he, what he's saying, he's better than all of you. He's bigger than you. He's better looking than you. He's going to be smarter than you. And God has chosen him and he is going to be your king. Here he is. All right. And so then they wrote down all the stuff that a king was supposed to do. Samuel did all of his rights and all of his duties. And they set it before the Lord. And there were some people who weren't happy, but overall, the people were pleased. They had their king. And so now what we want to do is, is in our remaining time is we want to dig into this. And, and there's one big takeaway that I want you to have is this, is there is no solution to any problem or any situation apart from God and his ways that will bring peace, fix, or give clarity. 
There is nothing you're going to do that's going to do anything. If you're in a bad situation, if you're in a distress, if you're going through the hardest time of your life, you're not going to find anything that's going to fix it. You're not going to find anything that's going to bring you peace. You're not going to get clarity if you seek anything outside of Jesus. Now, here's the deal. This could all be because of your own sin, like Israel. You maybe have been sitting in sin, thinking you can hide it, thinking you can get by with it for a long time. And I think that's what Israel thought. They thought, God's always been on our side. He's always delivered us. If we just, a little sin, a little here, a little there, it's going to be okay. He will still save us. But if we all are just real about it, we know that a little sin usually leads to a lot of sin and habitual sin and just a pattern of life that we live in just a really deep, dark place, and we try to hide it from everyone else so we can show up on Sundays and act like we got all of our stuff together and we really don't. That's what happens. But then we start to search for answers because we realize like this isn't good. Like I can't stay in this spot. If you're a Christian, you're feeling convicted. You're feeling the weight of the spirit pressing down on you and you know you've got to find a way out of this sin. Like this isn't a good spot to be in. And Israel knew that. They knew they were in a tough spot. Like we got to get out of this. So give us a king. Well, for us, what we do is Instead of depending on Jesus, we do the same thing as Israel's done. We, just, we depend on earthly kings, in a sense. We turn to things of this world to get ourselves out of situations. We'll turn to books. We'll turn to programs on our phones to block websites. We will do anything we can but actually turn to the Lord. And that's exactly what Israel has done. They'll turn to anything but Jesus so we do this as humans. We sin, we get in a bad situation, and, the, and our solution to the problem is really to sin more because we just reject going to Jesus. We reject going to him. We think that we'll figure it out on our own. And really what happens is it seems good at first. Everything seems good at first because if you read chapter 11, which I'm not going to give a big synopsis of that, Saul goes and he starts to defeat the people who are oppressing Israel. He defeats the Ammonites, the kingdom's renewed, things are going better. Like, and really, if we're honest, like in the beginning, your sin to fix your problem will seem like it's going right. It may seem like it's going okay. Like, oh yeah, this is, this is working. This is making me feel better. This is making this situation seem better. I can, I can get through this now because of this. But that's not going to be the way it's going to go. Corey's probably going to blow you up next week with all Saul's dumb decisions. Like, he just doesn't make good decisions going forward. And so that's really what happens is you start to live in this spot where you think, oh, this is going good. And then it's going to turn bad like that. And you're going to be like, oh, wow, how did I end up here? Isn't this how it goes with us? We seek out our own solutions to our predicaments. And there's signs it's not going to end well but we just keep pushing on and hoping for the best. Israel should have saw that. When your king is hiding in baggage and he doesn't want to stand up and be announced as king, that should be like a sign to you, like this probably isn't going to end well. Like really, but like we'll see those small subtle signs like when we're doing things, we're like, man, I don't know, this doesn't look like it's going to go good, but I just don't know what else to do. And you just still haven't turned to Jesus. So you're just going to keep pushing forward and just hope for the best. And in the end, it will get us. We consistently do this at times. We make decisions to sin knowing that this isn't God's will for that area of your life. And Israel knew that Saul becoming king wasn't God's plan to their, for their troubles. They knew that. They weren't dumb. They knew the word that God had given them. They knew the laws. They weren't stupid. But here's the thing. Just like Israel knew that wasn't the thing, 
you know that the answer to your trouble in your marriage because your spouse isn't paying enough attention to you isn't the coworker who's been paying more attention to you. You know that. You know that the answer to feeling upset about what's going on in your life isn't to turn to drinking every night. You know that. You know that's not gonna fix it. You're not dumb. You just don't know what else to do because you haven't turned to the Lord. You're in a tough spot. You're feeling down. And so instead of just staying, you know, and figuring that out, being in Christian community, talking it through, praying, doing whatever it is that God has called you to do, you just go out and buy a new car, go on expensive vacation, spend money that you don't really have to do, impulse shop, or whatever it is that makes you feel better in the moment. You know that's not going to fix your problem, but in the moment, it feels good. And so you turn to that instead of Jesus. Again, the point is this, is that outside of Jesus, utter dependency upon him and trusting him, there is no good answers. And every week almost that we've been in this sermon series, lest we turn, we've hit on the idea of being committed and complacent and compromised. And so I, I, would, I thought about that more as we, like, do we seek the Lord in what we do? So when we're committed, we seek the Lord in all things. We seek the Lord in all things. It should be there on, on the screen. I don't know. It should say more than that. I'm not sure. There it is. Okay, cool. So when we're committed, that's like what we, like you can see that with Israel. They're seeking the Lord in all things when they're committed. They're in, in, for, in our own lives. We do that. When we're committed to God and we're on fire, we're like, man, I'm going to go to the Lord in prayer for this. I'm going to go to the Lord in prayer for that. I'm not going to do any decisions apart from God's will. But then we get complacent. And what we do is we seek the Lord when you don't have the answer yourself. We'll just be like, oh, I don't know what to do now. So I'll, now I'll pray. But if I can figure it out on my own, if there's, a, you know, if there's a podcast or a blog or something that gives me the answer, I'll just do that because that guy probably prayed about it and I don't have to pray about it. I'll just, I'll just do what that dude did because he probably prayed about it. So I'll just do that because then it saves me like one step, right? So I'm gonna seek the Lord when I don't have the answer or someone else doesn't have the answer for me. But the problem is eventually what is compromise? And you know what you start to do? You seek the world in all things. When you compromise, you start to seek the world in all things. You stop seeking the Lord. You've given up on seeking him. You're like, I don't want to pray. You might feel too guilty to even pray. And you've just stopped going to him for all that. But let me flip this around. Because not all of what we go through is because we've sinned. Again, sometimes, guys, Jeff alluded to it. Like, there is, this is a tough season in just the whole world. If you don't feel a little bit of angst, a little bit of nervousness, a little bit of like just discomfort and what's going on, then you probably haven't turned on TV or flipped through like any websites or any social media. Like it's messed up. And so like sometimes the stress of that gets to us. We do start to suffer. We do start to feel that. And if you haven't noticed, like our church is really like thriving. And I don't say that in a prideful way. I don't say that in an arrogant way, but God is doing something really cool. Do you guys realize in the past, now, I think it's been like six weeks now, we baptized over 30 people. Like that's not normal. And so what we're gonna continue to see is that Satan's gonna keep going after us. He's going to, he's gonna attack. He's not gonna just sit back and think, oh man, I lost that one. He's like, no, I'm gonna drag them down to the pits of hell with me. Every last one of them that I can get my little grubby hands on, I'm gonna get them and he's gonna go after us. 
And if you don't believe me in that, like, then you haven't read enough scripture. No, like his job, his goal in his existence is to steal, kill, and destroy. So he wants to kill and steal and destroy everything about what God is doing in our church. And it's not happening because of us. Okay, it's happening because of God and he's using us and, and hopefully we're being obedient and doing what we're called to do. But what happens is sometimes when we face these trials and suffering, we don't know what to do because American Christianity is not cut out for suffering. It's not cut out for trials. And so we look for that quick fix to get out of it really fast. We, don't, we want like a microwave faith is what Mark said or when we were doing our worship planning, Mark, Hannah was like, hey, Christianity is not a microwave faith. That thing's a slow cooker. You gotta put that in the crock pot. <laughs> that's what, that, that's, <laughs> did you say or did Mark say it? Oh, that's Corey. <laughs> Sounds better coming from Mark. <laughs> Sounds like something Mark would say. <laughs> you can just see Mark sitting back all chill. Be like, can't microwave this thing, bro. <laughs> But that's what we want, right? We want to get out of it as quick as we can. We can't just sit in that suffering and trust that God's doing something. He's working in our lives. He's moving. And, and we sometimes want out. We want out so quick that we'll turn to earthly solutions so that we don't have to face the suffering. But we should be okay sometimes sitting in the weight of what God may be doing in our lives and stop looking for a quick fix. But then also, hear me, other believers in the room, when you see someone suffering, when you see someone who's obviously going through a trial that's not because of their sin, and even if it is because of their sin, don't do what I'm getting ready to say. Don't offer worldly advice. We're doing stories in our MCs. If you don't know what that means, it means you're not an MC and you need to talk to me, all right? But um, that's my plug for being a missional community. Uh, so when we're in there and we're telling stories, like one of the rules is that you don't give worldly advice. You point them back to the gospel. You point them back to the Bible. You don't give worldly advice for stuff. And so when you see someone suffering and going through things, don't be like, hey, you ought to just do this. Like, it's just going to make everything better. How about we lament with them? We mourn with them. We sympathize with them. And we genuinely pray with them. Not, hey, I'll pray for you. Like, bam, right now, let me pray for you and what you're going through in your life. Because I'm probably only one step behind you to be going through it too. Because Satan's going to come after me next. Let me pray for you right now. So we don't turn to the world. Because it's real easy as believers just, again, to turn to the world. So someone's suffering, let me give them a quick fix and get them out of this. Sometimes we just need to sit in it and see what the Lord is going to do. We can't do that, church. So, like I said, you probably read chapter 11 in your reading. Saul defeats people. He renews the kingdom. But it's not going to last. You're going to see it next week. It's in all next week's reading just is going to be just Saul and his blunders and mistakes and turning from the Lord. The only thing that will last is Jesus. He's the only way out of the situation that you're in. He's it. There's gonna be things that are gonna look attractive. There's gonna be things that are gonna look like they're gonna be a quicker fix. There's gonna be things that are gonna seem just easier, but I want to let you know that they're going to leave you broken and still searching, just like Israel. Israel's in a bad place. All they had to do was be obedient to God, and that would have been their real answer. It might not have went quick, it might not have been easy, but all they had to do is be obedient to God. But church, for us, what we have to believe and know in our hearts is there is a better king. There is a better king, and his name is Jesus. He loves us, he cares for us, 
cares for us, for us. And listen to me, he is not hiding in baggage. Jesus is not hiding, like not wanting to take his spot as king. He is sitting at the right hand of the Father. He is there. He is not just another solution. He's not just another podcast. It's not just some other advice that you could read. It is the advice. It is the answer. He is the answer to all things. When he died and rose again, he conquered death and sin, but he also got power and dominion over all things on earth and all things in heaven. That means whatever you're going through, he is in control of it. He is not caught off guard. He is not struggling to figure out how to fix it for you. He is not struggling how to figure out how to fix this problem in Afghanistan. He's not struggling how to figure out how to fix our government. None of it has, has him concerned. He has his hand over all of it. But we gotta trust that church. We have to believe that he has that power and dominion. So today, whatever you're going through, I wanna invite you right now to just sit in that reality that Jesus truly is king. He is in charge. We don't have to look for another solution. And here's what I want us to do is we're gonna respond. Believer in the room, you're gonna, you've, hopefully you grabbed a communion cup. If you're not, you know, if you didn't, you know the drill. They're up, they're up there on those tables. You can grab one. But first, take a minute. Like, search your life. Where have you found that quick fix, that earthly king for the solution that you're going through? And, and if you have that spot, Spend a second, like, I don't know, do whatever you need to do. Pray at your chair. If you want to turn around and kneel at your chair, just do whatever it takes to just go before the Lord and repent for that. And then right now, if you're struggling and you're a believer in here, like, ask someone to pray for you. Grab one of us. Grab me. Grab Corey. Grab Jeff. Grab one of us after the service over. Let us pray for you. Like, don't just sit in it on your own. Like, God gave you community for a reason. So turn to him first and then turn to your brothers and sisters in Christ. But then skeptic in the room, non-believer, skeptic, non-believer watching online, know this. I know you probably are going through tough times. We all do. We all face things. There is a solution to what you're going through. It is Jesus. So I'm just inviting you today. If you've never confessed him as Lord, you've never confessed him as your savior, trust him today and just trust that he's got whatever you're going through. So I'm going to read this, and then we're going to take communion after I pray. This is what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 11. For I received from the Lord, but I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray. God, help us to not look for earthly kings. Help us not to look for this quick solution, the easy fix. God, help us to just fix our eyes upon you that we don't turn away from you, God. Help us to turn to you in all that we're going through, the trials, the tribulations, whether it's in our sin or just because it's happened because we live in a sinful, broken world. God, help us just to fix our eyes on you for each and every one of us. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen.